Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. Remember, I scheduled an appointment right away. I was like, something's not okay. I don't feel right. Like I'm having awful anxiety. I can really function. So she said, she looked at me and she said, I understand you're on 200 milligrams of Zoloft right now. That is the highest legal dose. But because you've been on this for a long time, I'm comfortable to push you up to 225. You could start today. And immediately that was my absolute life-changing moment. I walked out of the, that office. I remember, I don't remember a single word she said after like the rest of that appointment. I was so angry, so frustrated. I remember I went to that appointment by myself and I called my mom immediately after and I was like, I'm done with the meditation. I'm done with this doctor. I'm never stepping foot here again. Like, I don't know what the next route is going to be, but whatever I'm doing for the past 14 years isn't it. What is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we'll be talking to Miss Courtney Hayes, and we have an interesting friendship because she grew up super local to me, probably 20 minutes away, never knew each other, never heard of each other, nothing like that, separate schools uh, and school districts, I believe. And then as we got older, we actually had mutual friends, and she met the mutual friends in Florida, of all things. <laughs> so small world, kind of funny how that all ends up working out. But we have pretty similar stories, and what I mean by that is not so much the physical health stuff, although we do relate in certain areas of the physical health stuff, uh, namely acne, gut stuff, whatever, but it's really the mental health aspect of this story, which has always made me go kind of wow. And I interviewed Courtney probably two years ago on the first podcast that I ever did, which was, my goodness, pretty bootstrap, pretty rough. You know, we've come a long way since then. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so we were on there and I couldn't believe the similarities. But she was dealing with full-blown symptoms of like legitimate mental health conditions uh, before the age of 10. And when this occurs, you would expect typically to see someone with a history of trauma. But that's where Courtney and I really relate because we just didn't have that. In fact, it was kind of the opposite. I wouldn't say spoiled, but I mean, dude, we had pretty good lives. We grew up in a beautiful area. There wasn't much to complain about. And yet here we are dealing with these very severe mental health symptoms. So I won't go too much more into it. I will just say if mental health is something that you've dealt with, you'll definitely like this episode. Um, also as well, OCD, first time that that's been brought up on the show. And I think she shines a much needed light on that because there's so much stigma around OCD, eating disorders, bipolar, even anxiety and depression still to this day. And it really just comes from ignorance. And even as someone who's been through this himself, I can kind of understand it because it is very hard and even strange to try to explain to someone the symptoms that you're dealing with or the experiences that you're having with mental health because it's primarily an internal one. And so it's hard to describe to someone that this internal experience is just as real, is just as clinical as you having a rash on your arm. It's really no different. So I'll leave it at that for now. A little bit about Courtney and what she's doing today. After a 15-year battle with her own health, which was both physical and mental, Courtney took matters into her own hands and discovered what a 180-degree change of healing looks like through the use of holistic nutrition. 
Courtney studied at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, becoming a certified holistic health coach in 2019. After years of failed doctor's visits, medications, and lifestyle habits that had her running in circles with her own health, wow, that sounds a lot like the cycle of trial and error that we always talk about here, doesn't it? She finally gathered the tools to not only help her turn her own life around, but also help other women do the same. So Courtney has a story that is so on par with what we like to share here. We'd like to let people know that they're not alone. And sometimes we do have some crazy experiences with the conventional medicine system when it comes to dealing with chronic issues. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right, Courtney, welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I had interviewed Courtney before on my first ever podcast, which was quite bootstrapped. I used to do this thing by literally opening up the Anchor app on the phone and I'd record off of that. It sounded insane, but uh, people liked it. It was all about mental health. And now we have upgraded quite a bit. So I'm excited about that. And Courtney has a very relevant story, as I kind of suggested in the intro to what we're talking about today. She is someone who has experienced firsthand what we call here the cycle of trial and error, which is when you're dealing with health symptoms in the conventional medicine uh, system of care, and they don't really know what to do. So you just keep trying different things. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, many of us move to more of the natural version of that, which maybe is a step up. But nonetheless, it is a cycle of trial and error because we are stuck with these symptoms. We're motivated. We want to do something, but no one seems to really have the answer for us. So, uh, Courtney, we're going to start off with the same question that we typically start off with on this show. And what I want to know is just when did these health symptoms start and what did they look like? And I know for you, it was primarily mental, but I, I think if I recall correctly, there might have been some physical stuff as well. Right. So my health issues started around age eight and it manifested into a lot of anxiety. I was experiencing awful anxiety. Um, I had my first panic attack at the age of eight, a lot of anxiety. Um, I started developing symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. Um, and within that, it was just a whole streak of mental health issue after mental health issue. You know, mental health went completely downhill and that was a whole, you know, years and years and years of that. And then the physical started, um, starting to my teen years, my teenage years around puberty when that hit around like 13, 14, and that's when the acne started, you know, the gut issues, things like that. Okay. Actually, I, I forgot we had, I forgot how similar we were. And I think I had that same revelation last time because it is rare for someone to be dealing with those symptoms so young. Yeah. Um, also add on top of that, just because I already know this about you. It, you know, not to be graphic, but it's not like we were abused in the home, right? We we had decent enough lives, grew up in a beautiful area. We actually grew up kind of close to each other, just mm -hmm. didn't, we met each other after the fact. Yeah. And um, that's strange. That, that's not normal. I started experiencing panic attacks at five myself. And that isn't something that you hear about all the time. And interestingly enough, you know, when we got to the root of our issues, we found similar core problems that led to these things manifesting, right? Yeah. Um, so you're having these things go on at a really young age. And what is the perception on your end and like your parents end? Because did you even recognize that it was a panic attack while you were eight? Or did, was it just like, whoa, what's going on here? I remember so vividly me pacing back and forth in my driveway, just feeling like my world was crumbling, like I was going to die. Like I just all of a sudden, I remember just being hysterically crying because it started over. So my sister got a stomach virus. And so she was getting sick inside. And you know, I had the, the same virus probably like a couple of weeks prior. I was fine. No one enjoys it. But like I, I moved on, it was life. And then when she got it, for some reason, that created this intense fear that just spiraled inside me. And it was, you know, I had this insane phobia of vomiting. And I didn't know it until that moment. So that was me 
pacing back and forth. I remember the driveway. I remember exactly like the temperature outside. I remember that so vividly. And I was eight years old. And, um, you know, from there, I think my parents, I remember having my mom had a really, really close friend and one of my aunts were both therapists. And so I remember she contacted them because I don't think any of us had any idea what was going on Mm -hmm. because I might have had like some forms of anxiety growing up, but like more of just, okay, I'm a kid. I'm a little bit anxious to leave home or I don't want to be with my mom, you know, nothing really out of the ordinary. So for that to all of a sudden hit me one day out of the blue when there was no really warning sign of it, um, you know, we were all shocked. We were all shocked. So from there, I know it was her talking to therapists and, you know, family and friends. And we were all just trying to understand it. Uh, yeah. And I think that's that's the biggest key is I remember when I talked about this on the show before, when we went into the doctor the first time, because my parents saw what we now know was a panic attack a few times. They had no training in mental health, no idea what this was. Mm-hmm. Even the doctor at the time didn't. And we're the same age, if I'm not mistaken. Are you 26 right now or 25? Yeah, 26. OK, so the doc, we've come a long way is my point, you know, and we grew up again in a pretty nice area, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so we probably had, you know, 95th percentile or higher access to medical care in terms of the quality. Mm-hmm. And yet the doctor didn't even recognize that it was a panic attack. He actually said to myself and my parents that I just get myself a little too worked up. Ev gets thinking too fast. He's going to be okay. He's going to outgrow this. And that was through no fault of his own. He meant well, he didn't want me to be suffering, but we just didn't know what we didn't know. And it is so uncommon for a kid that's coming from a good background to be exhibiting those symptoms that it doesn't make sense. And one thing I think that's worth mentioning is the mental health topic. One, I'm I'm positively biased with it because I understand it. But mm-hmm. number two is I always just like to be clear for people. What you even said about that or how that development of the phobia with vomiting manifested, that is still something to be looked at because you think, oh, well, of course she has this, you know, she saw that and just got triggered. Well, Mm -hmm. why doesn't everyone get triggered that way? You know, and and you had these other things going on clearly biochemically. And I think just like myself having this phobic level fear of planes, I do not like planes. I'm sure to this day, you still don't like vomiting, but Mm -hmm. I haven't had a panic attack on a plane Mm -hmm. since I was a kid. I just can't get to that level of anxiety anymore. So yes, guys, even phobias can be positively impacted when the biochemistry is right. Um, So moving along here, what did this look like in your school years, the middle school, high school stuff? Because I I already, of course, have this um, existing knowledge about you. And I know that it was not resolved for for many years or even really probably properly addressed, like what was going on and what was the treatment like, if anything. So I remember I went to my first doctor's appointment probably several months later. I know I was nine years old. I remember when I moved to Florida, I found my previous records from the first psychiatrist I ever went to. I was nine years old. And that was when I was placed on my first antidepressant. Um, You know, I don't remember specifically that exact scenario, but even reading back on the paperwork, I mean, it was all the symptoms of she's super anxious, she's super fidgety, like just how I was and how I remember being in a sense. Um, But I just remember specifically my childhood, it was year after year after year, month after month, week week after week, constantly changing therapists, changing psychiatrists, changing medication, medication, let me change this dose, let me change you to a different medication, let me try this, like, we were always trying to find some type of fix, but nothing seemed to work. I remember going through phases where I would check in with the doctor every month or every other week. Um, and it was more so like, okay, how are your symptoms on a one to 10? And I'd be like, okay, well, today's a seven and it's not a 10. So I'd be like, okay, we're making progress. Let's keep you on this. But it was never, never a three, never a two, never remotely close to how I am today. So, you know, it was struggle after struggle. And I remember like moments of quote unquote relief, but 
it was never fully like, wow, I really feel like I'm living my life with ease and I'm living my life, my life like without this anxiety or without all these issues. And it definitely interfered with school. It interfered with my social life. It interfered with a lot. I mean, it, it took over majority of my life. Sure. And with the OCD, especially, I want to focus on that for a second because mm-hmm. we've been lucky enough to have, I mean, we're well over, um, I don't know what this will be either like episode 109 or 110. I mean, we've had so many people come on and we've talked about anorexia. We've talked about bulimia. We've talked about things that I think even bipolar, uh, things that, you know, you don't always get to hear, especially from a holistic perspective. As far as I know, at least in terms of them being open about it, no one has come on here and talked about OCD yet. So that is something I think that's really misunderstood. And uh, just like when someone gets angry for a moment, people are like, oh, you're acting so bipolar. Such an ignorant and stupid statement. Um, you know, someone will be like, oh, I like to have an organized desk. Um, I'm so OCD. That is idiotic. So what is OCD actually like? And what was that experience like? Like, what is, because it's not just an organized desk. <laughs> My biggest pet peeve with that. Yeah. Um, so OCD for me, you know, it's obsessive compulsive disorder. So for me, it was, I have this obsessive thought. And for me, I had such a phobia around vomiting that it was this obsessive thought of, okay, well, I need to do everything I can possibly to prevent myself from that happening. But that means with compulsion. So I have to, and a lot of times it was in numbers. And for me, my number was always four or an even numbers. So for me, I'm like, well, I have to turn the light switch on and off four times. And if I don't, I'm going to throw up or I'm going to die. Like something drastic is going to happen, or I'm going to have to, you know, touch this pillow four times. Otherwise something terrible is going to happen. It was all of these obsessions in my mind and those obsessions would not go away unless I did that compulsion. And, you know, they say if you, the more you ignore it, the less they'll come, but it's also the more you ignored it, the louder the, the like those voices would get. Yeah. So that was a huge part of my anxiety. Um, pretty much all of childhood. I, I think just that even that short explanation really helps people understand that this is a lot different than the organizing your desk thing, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, certainly for some people with OCD, yeah. maybe that is grouped into the other symptoms, but no, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it escaped me eventually, because as far as I remember in middle school, high school years, even though my mental health was terrible, I didn't have the OCD thing, but I developed this habit that uh, it was a couple things. We would be driving. It was very young, five, six, seven mm-hmm. years old. We'd be driving down the road, and you know how like there's the double yellow lines. Mm-hmm. There's spaces in the yellow lines, mm-hmm. and I had this thing that we couldn't cross when the yellow lines were open. We couldn't cross like another car. Like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like if there's two yellow lines here and a space here, our mm-hmm. car couldn't cross as the same time as that. I hated that. Yeah. And then the other thing was that I had to blink when we passed a church, otherwise I thought like I was going to die or something, it's- and. Yeah, that was never a diagnosed thing for me. But looking yeah. back, even I'm not a psychologist, but from what you understand about OCD, doesn't that sound like that Absolutely. would fall in that category? Yeah, it okay. pretty much is. You know, anything that you have, you have to do something in your mind, otherwise X Y Z will happen. It could be the craziest okay. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're moving through those school years. Clearly it's affecting you. I, I know firsthand that, how that is. Um, and then I know from last time when we talked, there was a particular story that just drove me nuts. And it was that story alone could have been a podcast here. Um, <laughs> even if it was just the four or five minutes that it takes to tell it, I yeah. would have put that on because people need this because it's validating for what's happening in the world right now. So I think you already know what I'm referring to. Um, Talk to us about how we even got to that doctor's appointment and then what the heck happened that day because that was ridiculous. So I was in college and, you know, here I am about, what, 12, 13 years into the same cycle of every six weeks. I go to my psychiatrist. I do a check-in. How's my medication working? How's my OCD? How's my anxiety? 
And I went to my, I remember, I think I went probably a few months or maybe even six months, maybe a while without doing a checkup because I was on at the time 200 milligrams of Zoloft. I had been on Zoloft for about six years. Like that was a medication that seemed to work best for me. Um, but I remember I started having a really bad flare up and this tended to happen with whatever anxiety medication I was on. It might work for a little bit of time, but then it would just stop working or I would have like a really bad flare up and my mental health would really go downhill. So I remember I scheduled an appointment right away. I was like, something's not okay. I don't feel right. Like I'm having awful anxiety. I can really function. I'm in college. Like I, I can't do this. So I remember going to her and I expressed, I, you know, this isn't working. And she just, she said to me that day, she was like, cause I'm someone where I was someone where, you know, if she was going to put me on a medication, I was right away in the office Googling, like, is this okay? You know, I'm like a smaller person. Is this like too much for me? So she said, she looked at me and she said, I understand you're on 200 milligrams of Zoloft right now. That is the highest legal dose. But because you've been on this for a long time, I'm comfortable to push you up to 225. You could start today. And immediately that was my absolute life-changing moment. I walked out of the, that office. I remember, I don't remember a single word she said after like the rest of that appointment. I was so angry, so frustrated. I remember I went to that appointment by myself and I called my mom immediately after and I was like, I'm done with the medication. I'm done with this doctor. I'm never stepping foot here again. Like, I don't know what the next route is going to be, but whatever I'm doing for the past 14 years, isn't it. And that was, <laughs> that was my breaking point. Damn. Um, and I love that. Obviously, we've talked about this before. You're in a better place now. We can smile about it now. But that's a that's a hell of a powerful moment. And wow. that's ridiculous. I hear so much crazy stuff on this podcast. But that is literally, unless I'm missing something. And someone, if I am being ignorant here, please correct me. That's illegal. You can't be doing that. Yeah. And um, because I was about to say, if people don't know the dosages, 200 milligrams of Zoloft is already it's quite a dose as it is. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um. So to then we're gonna even go higher than that. It's like. Wow. Never asking why does Courtney, this person that's been dealing with this stuff for years, um, have this to begin with. Yeah. And I know that was your breaking point, And I can kind of logically understand that from the sense of like, okay, this is illegal. This doesn't even make sense. But there are so many people out there. And this isn't, I'm not condemning them. I just, I'm mm -hmm. always trying to figure out the ways of people uh, think about this stuff. And I always ask this question. Was it just that the illegality thing that made you have that breaking point where you're like, this isn't working or is it a gut feeling? Like what else was it that makes you say this doesn't make sense? Because there are people, um, unfortunately it's happened in my own family yeah. that will go, I don't, I mean this literally to their grave following the conventional system, never questioning why they have what they have. So what else was it, if anything, that made you say this just doesn't make sense and this isn't right? I think something just clicked in my brain that day where I'm like, I've put so much trust in these doctors and this medicine. And like, I know that it works for a lot of people. I know that there's a lot of great to it. But for me, it was just like something clicked in that moment. I don't, I don't remember ever having a thought or a doubt about it in the past. I remember I was like, if you're telling me this is going to help me, please, by all means, give it to me. I'll take it. I won't question it. I'll do whatever it takes. In that moment, I, I just reached a moment where I was like, this isn't working. And there's no way that pushing more of this into my body when it seemed like my body was rejecting it. It seemed like it just, it wasn't the answer. And so, you know, I think it was a combination of that. And it was a combination of hearing her say, the, like the max dose is 200. So why are you putting me above when I'm, you know, a five to 110 pound, like 21 year old, like woman at the time, it was just too much. So I think right there, combination of those is just like, no. And fair enough. Because I'm also forgetting. Yeah. At this point, she said this was 21, this appointment. 
Yeah, I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's such a long period of time that this has been going on in, in some yeah. way or another, right? And so perhaps that is just it. You know, at, at some point you would think everyone would have a breaking point where they're just like, this is not working. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And maybe that's what happened to me even looking back yeah. because yeah, it was like, I dealt with this for so young. Um, I got diagnosed with, of all things, this uh, inner ear disorder it was an autoimmune disease. And ironically, out of all the things I had been through, that was my breaking point because I thought I was finally doing better. And then they tell me I have this. They tell me it's incurable. They tell me I'm going to lose hearing in one ear. They tell me I'm going to need a surgery and lifelong medication. And I was on my way in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I- I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, this doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Uh, there's got it. There's no way I can't do anything about it. So, um, it's interesting. You kind of had that in in this doctor's office, and I had the same thing. You know, it's just yeah. this doesn't yeah. make sense. And the reason I keep emphasizing this point, guys, and if you listen regularly, you know I do it all the time. But it's worth hitting it over and over. Is mm-hmm. trust your gut. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you maybe know more than a doctor. I don't know more than a doctor about the respective stuff that they talk about. Mm-hmm. But you do know you, mm-hmm. and. You could still have common sense and say, I've been in here. So eight, well, let's say you went in for the first time at nine. Let's just call it that. Mm-hmm. So 16 years, this isn't working very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally just did that math wrong. 12 years. I'm not that stupid, guys. I'm sorry. Wow. That was way off. Um, I'm not going to edit it out. I'll leave in my my accident there. But yeah, I think that's long enough either way, right? It's just like, yeah. this isn't working and, and we got to do something else. So what did that look like? How? Where did you even go next after that? At 21 years old, you got, you know, like what, what does that look like? So I remember I had a friend at the time who was super into like yoga and meditation and essential oils. And I was, you know, we were good friends at the time and I was spending a lot of time with her. So I remember I went to her and I explained the situation. She was always super supportive of the anxiety and, you know, whatever I was going through. And I remember she took me through my very first meditation and she gave me some like lavender essential oils and she was like, here. And I was like, okay, but like, what do I do? So um, I remember after that, we had a family friend who she she was the first one that ever opened me up to the mind gut connection. And she's like, well, you know, what you eat is going to correlate with how you're feeling mentally. And I was like, how? Like the guts here, the brains up here. Like, what are you talking about? No one (laughs) in my 12, 13, however many years has ever, ever, ever brought that to my attention. You know, I've been told like, Hey, eat your vegetables. You should eat healthy. Like, whatever it may be, but no one ever told me that what roughly 90% of serotonin is aka what those medications were trying to give me was coming from my gut. And my diet was like off, like words beyond awful. Like, I mean, bagels, pizza, cookies. I lived off of probably like 300 grams of sugar a day. I was, you know, it was, (laughs) yeah, it was awful. Um, And so of course I was going to eat terribly and feel terribly. So when she told that to me, you know, that's where, another one of those something just clicks in your brain where you're like, okay, well, if you're going to tell me that's the answer and I'm officially going to give up on, you know, this Western route of taking this medication, then, you know, let me look into all these different areas, whether it is the meditation, whether it is the practicing more mindfulness, whether it is like really focusing on figuring out how the foods are impacting my gut, which is impacting my brain. So I, I mean, I went all in on that route, which obviously, as you know, takes me here. Right. And I'm sorry if I missed this. So what uh because there's many different routes in theory that you could take what was it about that particular person that made you want to go to them so it was a family friend um and i remember so she had studied at the institute for integrative nutrition which is the, i believe the nutrition school we both we both went to um and i remember we like i looked up to her a lot because i knew that she was a super healthy person she had healed a lot of health issues within herself um 
And she was just someone that I intuitively felt like I can trust. And seeing that she also used to struggle with mental health issues and seeing that she was at the place that she was, I, it just, something again just clicked to me and I just felt drawn to, let me hear her out. Let me hear out someone else who's, because all I ever did was listen to the doctors and listen to Western medicine. I never even considered, I didn't even hear of it. Like there was no one in my life, in my circle that, you know, went that route, went the more functional, holistic, like more natural route of true, true healing. I I just, I find it interesting and I know our audience is super receptive of it so I can focus in on it more or less, let's be honest, you kind of just have a feeling that this doesn't make sense, the system that you're in. And then more or less, there's a feeling that says, oh, well, maybe that makes sense. So can't stress it enough, guys. Trust your gut. And I never trusted my gut. And I I do that a lot more now. And I feel like my intuition completely guides me through life. So a separate topic, I suppose. But every single person, I think it's been maybe 98%, if I'm actually being specific here, has said something along the lines of, I just knew. I just felt, I just thought there was some point where they trusted themselves and their own inner knowledge to go away from this. And that's, I don't know how you replicate that per se for someone else, but hopefully that's validating for some people because we've had the most insane stories on here you've ever heard, right? Severe mental health issues, cancer, autoimmune diseases. Uh And it just starts with that ability to think for ourselves more or less. Mm -hmm. Let's take away the esoteric crap, I guess. Think for yourself, I think is the bottom line. My mom used to ingrain that in my sister and I. All right. So you're learning from this person. And um, I know it's never going to be like an overnight transformation for most of us, that's for sure. But what were uh, some of like maybe like the first wins? Because I know that you're trying this stuff, Mm -hmm. but was it dietary changes? Like what was it specifically where you're like, wow, no, this worked. And there's some like quantifiable amount, um, some quantifiable improvement where I was like, wow, I'm like 10% better right now or 20%. Was it again, diet or was it the meditation? Like what was it specifically? So I would say the biggest things for me at that time were a combination of, because in my childhood, I also, I barely worked out. I barely moved. I hated, like, if you told me to go for a run, I would find a corner to go sit in and like pretend I was running. You know, I was, I was not an active person. I played sports growing up, but like not, not the most active. So I remember in college around that same time I started, I was living with roommates who were super into lifting and working out. So I was like, okay, well, let me start doing that. And I noticed me feel almost a sort of like serotonin rush, endorphin rush every time I was working out. And I was like, this feels really good, but my diet was still awful. So it wasn't too much of a drastic change. But once I had that conversation with the family friend, um, my diet started to change. And I, I remember experimenting. I started just by simply experimenting. Like, let me try to be a little bit more mindful. Let me eat a little bit more of the meals my mom's making or some of the meals that, you know, I'm finding online for healthy recipes. Um, but I remember I started experimenting with gluten and dairy. You know, I have a dad who has celiac disease. I have a sister who has a severe um, allergy to gluten as well. And I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked if this could this be causing issues you just never know and this family friend also has celiac disease so i'm like there could be a correlation and ironically at this time i noticed that my stomach was becoming super super inflamed i remember i would like just be in so much pain i remember being on a walk one day and i had to sit down on the bench because i was like bending over in such severe pain when i had a piece of bread right before so this is around the time where i was like let me try experimenting there might be some food sensitivities here there might be something in my diet that you know, isn't contributing, how can I start to clean this up? So, you know, by doing those changes and starting to notice, hey, I'm actually feeling a little bit better. And some of those symptoms were going away, both mentally and physically. I mean, it was just piece after piece, which is starting to fall in. Yeah. 
Okay, and let's pause for a second. We got to shout out your dad. I always forget about that. Where can people find his work? Because this is so relevant to our audience. They would love this stuff. So he, glutendude.com. He's got a website, he's got a blog, he's got an app, he's got his Instagram page, Facebook page, but yeah, glutendude. <laughs> That's so cool. We got to have him on, actually. He's more yes. than welcome anytime. That would be a great guy to have on. Um, <laughs> so you're moving through here. And then when did you decide that this was something that you actually wanted to pursue? Because I, I know that, and we'll talk about this, I know that what you're doing now is not necessarily holistic health coaching in the traditional definition because there's more aspects to it than that. Right. But um, still, it's like this is clearly something that you ended up pursuing. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, you were in college for something completely else, uh, different at one point and then chose this. So tell us about that. I always find yeah. those stories cool. So I was undecided for my first three years of college because I was like, I still can't figure it out. And then I decided to major in communication studies because I was like, this will be broad enough. I can find something to do in this area. Um, and then it took me until my senior year of college where I found out about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And when I started, like, you know, it took me about, I'd say about nine months to actually wean myself off the medication. It was a really long process. So I didn't have any crazy adverse effects um, and just like withdrawal effects. But in that, you know, process of weaning myself off medication and actually finding true healing and true relief day by day through nurturing my body and practicing all these new things in my life. I just started developing this passion where I was like, I like all hours of the day, I just want to learn more. I want to figure out more ways. Like I was so intrigued by this. I was like, this is, I, I felt like I just discovered something brand new in this entire world. Like I was so intrigued by it. So I, um, you know, that's where I discovered the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I was like, I want to one, learn more for myself, but two, I got to help people change their lives too. Mm -hmm. I got to spread this information out there. I got to help people with this. So I, I think it's amazing. And I always joke that it's like an industry that if it calls us, right? You know, no one wakes up yet at five years old and says, mom and dad, I can't wait to be a functional health coach or a holistic health coach. It's just not a thing yet. Um, but through the experiences that we have, it, it leads to this. And I'm a spiritual guy. I have no problem saying it. And I do believe, I like to believe at least that the experiences that people like you and I had and many of the people that come on this show, uh, we had it for a reason. You know, it's, it's to go out and help other people eventually, because I know for me, I mean, I was School was my thing. I was a smart guy. I um, wasn't good at sports, but I was a smart guy. Yeah. But I, I hated school. I, I didn't want to be learning those topics. And then I went from that to when I was going through IIN and then eventually FDN. I mean, my mom and dad were like, what is going on with this guy? Because it was Friday night and I'm in at 8 p.m. and I'm just studying all the lectures as they came out. Um, I think IIN released on that day and I literally finished them in the same night. And then I had to wait a week until uh, you got yeah. the next stuff. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> But that's just such a good feeling when you're yeah. actually so passionate about something yeah. that you just want to learn it. Yeah. Um, so I know that, uh, you know, and we don't expect this for anyone on the show. Some people come on and yeah, they do have complete resolutions of symptoms. Some people are still working on some stuff. And I know for you, you're at like a really, really solid place. So what would you say have been some of the biggest factors that have led you to getting to where you are now? I mean, if you don't mind, because again, we have people that come on that are 50% better. Mm -hmm. Where would you say, at least in terms of the mental health stuff that you are percentage wise in terms of being better? I would say... Compare what I used to be compared to now, I would say 90% better. Perfect. I would awesome. say night and day. You know, I am a human being who still will experience moments of anxiety, who still will experience her bad moments or bad days. But I mean, night and complete day from what I experienced growing up. 
Sure. What were the biggest things that have led to that? Um, Because I know that we talked about what initially helped, but like, what are the habits that had to be maintained to this day or things that you discovered? Um, I feel like gluten was probably a huge one for you. You're pretty religious with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had um, an ounce of gluten to my knowledge, unless out at a restaurant, but yeah. <laughs> that's happened a couple of times. Um, intentionally have not had gluten in about five years. Um, Amazing. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's been a day difference. It's recognizing, you know, what foods are trigger foods for me. So for me, I also cannot, you know, dairy doesn't make me feel the best. I will, you know, I'll feel it in different mental ways too, in physical ways. So it's finding those sensitivities or triggers with things that your body might not react well to. Um, you know, a huge thing for me has also been just focus on whole foods, focus on the foods that truly nourish you and that are there to heal you and nourish your body. Um, I try to avoid, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of processed foods and those artificial flavors and colorings and packagings um, and a lot of mindfulness. It's really, really been a combination of the three things, which for me has been, you know, mindset and mindfulness. It's been my nutrition and just focusing on healing my gut. And then it's been just movement and like getting my body moving. And the three of those things have been just my complete medicine. And it's like relatively, relatively simple. Mm -hmm. And I'd say it's definitely simple compared to the severity of the things that you were dealing with. And the gluten one's particularly tough because Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have celiacs, right? You were tested and it's not diagnosed as far as you know. Yeah, I did a blood test and it was negative. So as far as I know, I don't. Okay, but almost guaranteed have a gluten sensitivity. Like that's pretty much uh, for sure. And the thing is guys, you know, you have to put in the time for this because we know that someone who is gluten sensitive or who is celiac, you're having an immune response to this. And that immune response can last for about three to six months after you were exposed to gluten, even in a very minimal amount. So if you're going to do the gluten-free thing, you're like, wow, this is inspiring. Like, I want to try that. Make sure you're doing it correctly, first of all, and giving yourself the proper time. It is not going to get better in a week. I'm not saying it won't improve. I've seen that almost universally. Mm -hmm. But to act like you're going to go from the things that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. where, I mean, you're doing the even number thing. I mean, this is, it's severe. So, oh yeah, I'm fine in a week. Guys, that's just unrealistic, no matter what the food sensitivity is, Uh, especially with gluten, though give it, give it, give it time. And so how long would you say that it had taken? And this is fine. However long it took, we want mm-hmm. people to have realistic expectations. Right. Um, and grant you for you, you were in more of, um, it's not like you got the benefit of necessarily directly working with like a coach that you'd find at FDN thrive or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were experimenting, you're trying this on your mm-hmm. own. I know firsthand that's hard as hell, man, that, that it's really tough. Cause there's a lot of things that sound appealing. Yeah. This diet sounds great. This person healed yeah. using this supplement. Um, how long would you uh, say that it took to get from that day in the office at 21 to 90% better? Was it like years or months? I would say it took probably about a solid year because okay. I believe from my decent memory, um, I believe I moved to maybe a year and a half. I'd say about a year and a half because I remember I took the leap and I moved myself to Florida on my own after graduating college. And I remember when I got to Florida, I remember feeling in such a firm, steady, like really, really good place with myself mentally. And I know for a fact I would have not taken that leap and moved if I was still back in that state. And it was about a year and a half after that appointment. Perfect. And that is being said, guys, to be positive, not pessimistic. You're like, oh, a year and a half. There's two ways to look at that. Oh, a year and a half. Well, again, one, you were experimenting. So that's amazing that you even could get to 90% kind of doing this on your own. It's extremely impressive. Um, So it's going to be quicker if you're using someone else. But the point is, this is an individual that we're looking at Mm -hmm. who was sick from like 
a young age yeah. for 12 years, 13 years, not 16. I, I still, I've been trying to figure out this whole podcast where I got yeah. that, that from, um, I'm usually good with the numbers, but yeah. can't figure it out. So that's actually pretty good in my opinion, that this is even possible after being sick for so long and at such a young age. So use that as encouragement. Use that as a reason to keep going because we live in a quick fix. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a pill for every ill society. Mm -hmm. You can heal. It is a fact. It takes time. That's just what it is. Absolutely. Cool. So now I want to move into more of what you're doing now, because there was a real, really two reasons I wanted to bring you on, not only because of the story, and I knew that this would relate to so many people who listen to this, but um, also because I think you fill a gap that is very much needed. We are coaches at FDN Thrive. Um, we are probably even more considered consultants. And it's not to say that no coaching will be done um, if you're to work with FDN Thrive and get the labs done or whatever, but there's only so much that can be done in a 90 day period when you are focusing on very technical lab analysis and we need the coaching side. And I know that's where you come in with a lot of stuff. So um, Mm -hmm. what are you doing now? And even more importantly, why did you choose this route as opposed to just becoming like maybe a traditional holistic health coach as many graduates of IIN would, which nothing wrong with that, by the way, but you chose something specific and I'm curious how you got there. Right. So I wanted my focus to be on primarily the women I could relate to. Right. So I, at first, I did take more of a overall stance of like, okay, I'll be a holistic health coach that just focuses on making people feel good, period. Um, and I noticed like when I started my Instagram account, which is where I do, you know, basically where I promote my coaching, where I basically, you know, I do, I run my business off of, I started really opening up about my mental health journey. And I, in doing that, I noticed the type of people I was attracting. I was attracting the people that were like, wow, this is me, exactly what you're experiencing with the anxiety, with the OCD, with the mental health issues. Like, I need your help. And I noticed that the more I was sharing, the more people that were experiencing it too. Because growing up, my God, I thought I was the only person that lived a life like that. I didn't know that other people well, would. Doctors would tell me. But all of a sudden, to start opening up about this, and I was getting, I mean, my DMs were flooded like weekly with, hey, I experienced this too, or hey, I read your story, or hey, you know, I heard you on this podcast, you were talking about this. I never knew I thought I was alone too. So all of a sudden, like that gave me this massive pull to let me help you with this, you know, let me show you that you can improve your mental health through the things that you choose to do, the way that you choose to feed your body, the way that you like reframe your thoughts and your focus and what you decide to have in your life and where you put your energy to. So that was ultimately my goal. Um, you know, I, I consider myself a holistic health coach, but I have more of an approach on health and life. You know, when Sweet. it comes to nutrition, right. And so what are you offering for people right now? Because I know in the past you've done one-on-one. I know you and I were talking off the air and it might move into more of um, a group setting, which I think actually for this stuff is very beneficial mm-hmm. for many reasons. So um, I don't want to say it though. Like, what are you offering? Right. So right now I do my one-on-one coaching. Um, my program title is called She Breaks Free. So ultimately, just like it sounds, helping women break free from this, you know, the state of being that they're not proud of, that they're not happy in, that they don't, you know, feel confident in. And helping them break out of that. So I do the one-on-one coaching and I am getting very, very close to launching my new automated course. Basically it is a all-in-one guide, you know, breaking down the nutrition, the sleep, the healthy habits, the mindset, and just helping you break out of that. So one-on-one cool. and the automated is coming soon. All right. And I, I love this because that was the experience. Again, so many things are so identical. Um, I, I didn't know what I didn't know when I was younger. And this is still happening today, even with yeah. the mental health awareness. And most people on this podcast know this. This is why I speak in schools outside of this, because 
I'm talking to kids and letting them know, guys, this has a name. This is called something. And adults fall victim to this. I think actually the older the adult is, the more they fall victim to it because they just did not have the education around this stuff. It's like, no, this is not called being crazy. It's called having a mental health condition. If someone, as stupid as this sounds, if someone has a broken arm and has a cast, you don't say, oh, that's crazy. You're like, oh, that sounds dumb. It sounds just as dumb when you say it about someone with a mental health condition, right? Mm-hmm. That's a physical problem. It's a mental health problem. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the only time I would ever find, and I'm not a politically correct person, the only time I would ever find something like the word crazy appropriate is if you know maybe someone had like a, a drug-induced rampage or whatever, or they're super drunk. Like, all right, you could say someone's acting crazy. No, right. someone having a panic attack, guys, is not crazy. It's called a panic attack. Right. Uh, it's ridiculous that I even need to emphasize that, but it's something that's worth saying. Yeah. And yeah, for people like you and I, you know, especially when you're so young, when the adults in your life don't even really understand it, I think it is. It's it's tough and it's invalidating. And that's one of the reasons why after I went to that doctor at five, Courtney, I did not go back to a doctor for this stuff at 15. And it was basically because I was forced to, uh, because I kept ending up in the hospital with these panic attacks. Like it wasn't something I could ignore anymore, right. but I knew the doctor had said, Evan's going to outgrow this. And I wasn't outgrowing it. Mm-hmm. So I said in my little five, six, seven year old head, something must be wrong with Ev if the doctor can't figure it out, you know? Um, so I just appreciate anyone that gets out there and shares this stuff. And you guys, you know, it doesn't have to be social media. Maybe that's not your thing, but just like letting friends and family members know that you deal with this stuff because it's, it's hidden. People don't get it. And everyone, it's so ironic because so many people are afraid of judgment with it. I have found maybe, maybe two to 3% of people have actually judged me for this over time. And more often than not, I've gotten connections with people where I never would have thought that they dealt with that stuff. And they're like, dude, I'm so glad you talk about that. I'm sure I can tell by the smile. It's probably been your experience. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you make some really unique connections that way too, because I got people from high school and I, I hate to even categorize people like this, but we all know that this happens. Uh, the people that were not popular at all, you know, the people that didn't really talk to anyone, right. Versus the, well, I'll be very vague, uh, sports people, you know, people yeah. that were super popular. Everyone and their brother has message saying, yeah, you know, I've dealt with this stuff too. Thanks for sharing this. You know, I, I never knew that you were dealing with this. And I mean, I certainly didn't know that they were dealing with it. It's cool. Um, all right. Where can people find you and get connected with you if they're interested in working with you? So my Instagram is at Court Hayes, C-O-U-R-T-H-A-Y-E-S with an underscore at the end. And then my website is courthaze.com. Okay. And of course that'll be in the show notes guys. And I actually did this in reverse order. I wanted to ask, um, I have two more questions, but I wanted to ask this one before that. Who is, uh, the ideal person to work with you? Because it's one thing to describe the programs. I think it's always cool since we have a variety of people that come on. I love to know who their ideal person is that they know that they can help so that if someone's listening, they're like, I like her. And then they hear that they're like, Oh wow, that's me. Then it's a no brainer to, uh, work with you or at least connect with you. So I work with women, hence my my program name. She, my program name, she breaks free. But I do work with women who are struggling with their anxiety, struggling with their mental health, struggling with the place that they're at in their life. Women who are feeling stuck and they just know that they want more from themselves, but they don't know how. They don't know the steps to take. And then just to make um, a final clarification, this is great because it, I mean, no one's saying don't work with your psychiatrist, yeah. um, even work with people at FDN Thrive, get the yeah. lab test done, but yeah. you're fitting the gap that is so desperately yes. needed yeah. outside of those two things. Yeah. Making those lifestyle changes, making those life changes that, you know, you can go to the doctor, you can do this, you can do that. But like, here's how to ultimately, you know, fill in the puzzle pieces here. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. All right. Well, I only have one more question for you and then we'll wrap it up for today. And it is the signature question on the health detective podcast. No wrong answers. 
And the signature question is, if I was in this case to give Courtney a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally do one thing or maybe stop doing one thing, what is the one thing that you'd get them to do? Eat more whole foods. Eat more whole foods. It has to be one because my mind is going off with a bunch of things. So many people have thrown in two. Feel free. I'd say eat more whole foods. And just like we talked about, listen to your gut. Listen to your body. You know, if your body's rejecting something, if your mind's rejecting something, like listen to your body, tune into yourself and ultimately take care of yourself. Excellent. I want to finish up today by really just rewinding for a second and commending Courtney for what she said in the beginning or the excerpt that we used in the beginning rather. And what she was saying to herself at the end of that doctor's appointment is, you know what? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this necessarily, but I've been dealing with this for 14 years and no one's helped me. And now I'm being recommended something that is literally illegal. I got to go figure out something else. I don't want anyone to have to feel that way. I don't want young people especially to have to feel like they need to go away from the conventional Western medicine route. I wish that there was systems in place that we could get the best of both worlds and we could automatically optimize for every individual patient or client based on where they're currently at. We're just not there yet. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about what we should do or what we shouldn't do or how much influence conventional medicine should have versus functional medicine. I'll tell you this, we shouldn't be doing things that are illegal and we shouldn't just keep indefinitely upping the dose of medications that are objectively not working for a young adult. Tell me how that makes any sense. I don't think it does. On the plus side of this, this led Courtney to finding out the truth for herself, figuring out how to help other people, and look at how she's turned this around and now serve others. I mean, that's amazing, right? And go check out her dad, too, glutendude.com. His website's awesome. <laughs> He's got a podcast there as well. Shorter episodes seem like very quick, short, and to the point. So if you like that, definitely something to check out as well. But Courtney, man, well, well man, <laughs> thank you for coming on and just sharing your story and being vulnerable. This happens to so many people and it's so unfair. And the more that we talk about this, the quicker we can have a resolution on a societal level. That's what we need. But other people don't realize that others have gone through this if we all keep silent and just don't talk about it. So thank you for coming on. And hey, thank you guys for listening. If you like this information that we're sharing, please be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. We are looking forward to talking to you guys again soon with yet another interview. But until then, take care. We love you guys. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button.